Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr. I'm going solo this week. Um, JD Hall had some, just a little bit of fatigue, needed some time off. Happens to the best of us. So I um, decided to just go by myself this week and it's going to be a great time. So this week we're talking about the Knicks, the Kings, and the Raptors. I'm probably going to switch the Raptors and the Kings, but we are definitely starting off with the Knicks. But first, um, this is the Basketball Power Hour. I would be remiss if I did not say that Brittany Griner getting to come home is awesome news. Um, should not have been locked up in Russia. So it is great stuff that she is finally getting to come home. Um, congratulations to her. Hopefully, you know, in the future, stuff like this doesn't happen again, obviously future is unforeseen so we can't we can't predict it but um i'm very happy for her i'm very happy for her family it took entirely too long but um i'm just glad the situation was resolved and i'm glad that she's free on to the new york knicks um no clean transition there not really any injuries of note over the last week i will say um a player i have been keeping an eye on just recently it has been Anthony Davis has missed the last couple of games but he has been on fire lately and has been just absolutely killing the game um and I wanted to shout him out because he if he keeps playing like this the Lakers have a legitimate shot to be a playoff team not maybe not like make the playoffs like top six but win the play-in round play-in tournament and make the playoffs like seven or eight seed so that's something to monitor going forward but the new york knicks so since jd and i last talked they so let's see that would be the monday the 28th they would they beat the pistons 140 to 110 they lost to the bucks 103 to 109 they lost to the Mavericks 121 to 100. Lost to the they beat the Cavaliers 92 to 81. Beat the Hawks 113 to 89. They're 12 and 13. They're ninth in the Eastern Conference, firmly in the play-in race right now. When I watch the Knicks, I get a distinct sense of this team is the embodiment of being lost at sea when it comes to the NBA. The roster is just a hodgepodge of guys, and we're, we're seeing it. It's funny because this team, you know, is always the subject of trade rumors, but now it's like they have too many guys. Um, it's, you know, talking about trading, I mean, we'll quickly talking about trading Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish. Now, all those guys are a little expendable now that Quentin Grimes <laughs> and Jalen Brunson are playing so well, two, two guys I want to talk about. I... I think it's funny that, you know, this team just is, they have a lot of players that I like. I think there's, there's two problems with this team. First, it would just make more sense if it was built around the two guards, Brunson and Barrett, and the whole team was built to complement them rather than, I mean, I guess you could call Barrett a two or three in this situation, but in either case, um, notwithstanding, I'd build my team around them. I, I, I think Randall. 
I this podcast has not been very Julius Randall friendly over the years. Um, it, it will that will continue to be the case. He's not playing poorly this year. Twenty two points a game, forty six percent from the field, thirty four percent from three. The three point percentage has bounced back significantly, but it just doesn't feel the same as it did in when he made All NBA. Um, you know, the, his percentage is between. When he made All NBA, I believe I'm gonna check this, pull up his stats real quick. But I believe, yeah, when he made All NBA, he shot 41% from three. When he last year, he shot 31%. So this is closer to last year than it was to the year before. And even in the playoffs of the year, they made um, even in the playoffs of the year, he shot 40%. He still shot like 20% from the three in the playoffs. I don't trust his jumper. This team is built around. So Brunson's jumper is, I'd say, good. Right, I'd give him a B if this was two K ratings. Barrett's jumper, I'd say, is a C plus. Um, Grimes's jumper is A. I, he's <laughs> he's been killing it. Right now, only thirty three percent from three, but he just absolutely destroyed Atlanta. Um, the other day, and I think now that he's starting more, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets up into like the 37, 38% range. Um, Robinson, obviously a non-threat from three. Hartenstein takes them. He doesn't really make them. Um, Toppin is making 35% of his threes. This team just doesn't have a whole lot of room to operate with. And it's unfortunate. I think if you slide Randall out of that equation, replace him with Toppin, it just makes the equation make much more sense. You replace Randall with other role players. The problem is, is that I don't see, you know, do you think you can get equal value for Julius Randall? Probably not at this point. Um, Do you think that you can, you know, is it possible to get just someone you believe is like two guys who are close who are like good role players for your team for Julius Randle it's a tough it's a tough call and I don't begrudge the Knicks for having to make this call but anyone who's listened to this show for the last like we've been doing this for almost three years now they know I'm a huge RJ Barrett fan I think he's got incredible basketball IQ I think he, I mean, he's not the world's best passer, right? Like, there's some reads I think he could make. Like, they, zone, they get zoned up a lot. There was one play I was watching, right? RJ was dribbling at the top of the key. He had IQ wide open in the corner, and he missed him, right? It was a strong side corner, but still. And he's not going to master that pass. I mean, he's still only 22, right? He's not going to have that mastered. But you're also not going to have him master that pass, if the ball's not in his hands. And you got Brunson taking the ball out of his hands. You got Grimes now. Grimes does a lot with the ball, which, you know, he was a star in college. And it's not surprising. I mean, I saw Grimes in college a good amount, and he wasn't the only guy doing stuff on that Houston team, but he was one of. Um, but still, he was a star. I, like... Again, I wouldn't say necessarily the star because Dejan Giroux also got drafted. But you knew if there was going to be an NBA player off that Houston team, it was going to be Grimes. And I'm really not surprised to see him thriving. But still, he, you know, when you're a star player in college, you, you know you can do stuff with the ball. 
and it's not not surprised to see it translating at this level. Um, Quickly and Rose, obviously, they're point guards. They both can do stuff with the ball. Um, We saw in the last game, I thought, an interesting wrinkle. Miles McBride is finally playing games (laughs) for this team. This could be an interesting thing to monitor going forward because maybe, just maybe, Tibbs is finally throwing in the white flag saying, huh, Rose, it might be not be Derrick Rose's time. Listen, Derrick Rose, a lot of sentimental attachment to him as a player. Um, but at a certain point, you just got to call a spade a spade because the Cam Reddish thing just isn't working. You know, this, like the a lot of this stuff isn't working. I do think a lot of that falls on Tom Thibodeau, though, because the front office, you could see the front office's vision. And... I just don't know what's possessing Thibodeau to go away from that vision. Like, I, I know, right? I Because I remember early in his Chicago tenure, I mean, Jimmy Butler, we see what he is now. I'm not saying he was this as a rookie because we saw what he was in his second year. He was basically, he was a role player his second year. But Jimmy Butler as a rookie didn't play at all. I think he played like... 40 games and I think he played like less than 10 actually I could just look that up I don't have to (laughs) conjecture but Jimmy didn't play at all his first year um young guys hardly played so first year yeah Jimmy Butler played 42 games 8.5 minutes a game I was really close (laughs) um then the second year he plays all 82 he's playing 26 minutes a game honestly we're kind of seeing a similar trajectory from quentin grimes you know quentin grimes last year he played was made kind of an untouchable 46 games 17 minutes a game so he played about half the season and the knicks he played, like he showed enough where the knicks front office was like no we're not going to include him in any trades and now i think you're seeing the fruits of that but it's just this this team has a lot of nice players i would say i just don't know you you don't have that obvious superstar right to lift you over to lift you over the edge that some of these other teams have right like you don't have so if you go through the teams in the eastern conference right i could so let's just go through the teams right so boston obviously has two (laughs) way better guys than your best player um in Tatum and Brown. You could argue that a couple of their guys might be better than R.J. Barrett. I'm not going to argue that, but we could argue that. The Nets, Kyrie, Katie, better than R.J. Barrett, who I believe is their best player. Toronto Raptors, Pascal Siakam definitively has been better than R.J. Barrett this year. Um, Fred Van Vliet has been an interesting case. We'll talk about him during the Raptors segment, but whatever. The Sixers, Harden, Maxi, I mean, I would probably this year. I'd probably take Maxi over Barrett. I don't really, as much as I love Barrett, I think Maxi's been awesome. And then, obviously, Harden and Embiid. So you, that's that's already fifteen guys. Right there. My math's not right there, but then you go to Milwaukee. You got Giannis and Middleton. You got Mobley, Allen, Mitchell, and Garland on one team. Um, you got Hall. Uh, it's it's interesting for I I I'd take Halliburton. I take Halliburton over Barrett, and then I take Demar and Levine. 
I would I would take RJ over Cade right now, but that's because Cade played like seven games this year. So I'd take Trey and DeJounte over RJ. I would take Jimmy and Bam over RJ. I would take Brad, Bradley Beal over RJ. I would take, uh, well, this year you'd have to take RJ over LaMelo because LaMelo hasn't played. And then I will take RJ over Paolo. So that is two teams. <laughs> I take your best player over out of 15. Not to say the rest of the teams in the league, there are 15 more I did not mention. Um, that's not a good spot to be in. As much as as much of a fan of RJ Barrett as I am, I think that that's a lot of work to go through. Now you have what you what you have that a lot of those teams don't have, right? The Cavs would kill for the depth the Knicks have at the three, right? Like if you gave the Cavs hell even like Evan Fournier at that three spot, like the defense would be lacking at that spot, but the space he would give them, it would be good they the Knicks have a lot of good players they just don't have a great player and that's what's holding them back right now and they're they're hoarding all these draft picks they're not that great <laughs> um and it's like I just watching this team you you see so much potential but I I just don't see this team to me I, I, I can't see them. This iteration of the team is just too bland, too boring. They're never going to win anything. And unless they hit on a home run. But these days, like we, we've been talking about them hitting a home run for so long. It's not going to happen at this. At a certain point, it's just not going to happen. So I my wager would be... I, I don't even know what the pivot is out of this because you can like this group if you're the Knicks. At a certain point, their fans have been dying for com- like for some level of sustained success since the 90s, right? The Knicks have sucked since 99. Since 99, they've been one of the worst teams in the association. So I think that you owe it to your fans to at least attempt to get better. And I think trading Randall and firing Tibbs is the way to go about that. And now moving on to the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors are 13 and 12, good for a seventh in the Eastern Conference. Um, the East is just <laughs> ridiculous right now. But since since JD and I last talked, they, um, so they beat the Cavs 188. We talked on that day where, like, Pascal's coming back. We might as well just get them out of the way. And then they lost to the Pelicans 126-108, to 108, lost to the Nets 114-105 to 105, in a game that was not that close. Um, beat the Magic 121-108 to 108, in a game that also was not that close. Um, lost to the Celtics 116-110, to 110, and then beat the Lakers 126-113 in a game where LeBron and AD did not play. Um, when watching the Raptors... <laughs> I think two things stand out. Three things stand out, actually. First of all, this rule change. JD and I haven't talked about it a whole lot. We've like brought it up in passing. The no take foul rule, I think, has benefited certain teams. Like the pace. Like Dylan and I talked about this when it was Pacers Week. But 
the Raptors in particular are a huge beneficiary of being able to run <laughs> and take advantage of the fast break because that fast break is just killer for them and because they are not a great rebounding team what they are is they just trap and trap and trap and they get at you and they're so aggressive Gary Trent one of the best thieves in the league OG and Anobi (laughs) might be I mean we've been talking about him like one of the best defenders in the league and I think finally um, has earned that crown I think it's safe to say Um, I think he's probably if he stays healthy for the whole year, which is a big if from OG, he could make all defense. I'm not going to say he will, but he could. Um, right now, they're seventh in defense, which stands to reason. Um, and in transition, they are the first in transition points per possession on clean glass. They're first in frequency. Um, points per transition play their second off of steals their first off of frequency their first um, off of live rebounds their third in points per possession frequency their fourth this team runs and runs and runs it makes up the half court <laughs> the half court is the worst in the league which you know makes sense they're sacrificing their spacing this year for having Christian Coloco out there which is interesting you know you don't think of Nick Nurse as someone who would sacrifice his spacing for something like that but at the same time you know I don't think what they did last year was sustainable and Pascal was great but I think we saw he got burned out in the first round which is never a good sign and playing him at power forward this year he's been amazing in 15 games averaging 24.5 points a game nine rebounds seven assists um 35 from three which is always a huge question mark with pascal if he's hitting threes you should be scared because that's literally the only to me that's the only hole in his game steel is averaging a steal as well he just is doing so much for them on offense right now they are listless so when he plays you know basketball reference has the thing where they say what your record is when the guy plays basketball reference says he, they are just eight and seven okay not as good as i thought <laughs> but i mean since he's come back from the injury um 18 23 24 26 29 25 i mean if you remember what this guy was like with the year they won the championship just the level of growth that he's shown in being so much better as a like a 15 foot shooter right like he doesn't have to get to the rim every time he can pull up from 15 hit you with a fadeaway that's so dangerous to me and he's such a great passer great passer like i i don't use that lightly when he was playing point guard last year for them i think that was when they were at their best um And I think that you see it this year, too. I mean, there's a reason he's leading the team in assist, and that's not Fred. Um, To me, I think he's he's all-NBA right now. Again, I I think he made all-NBA last year, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was I know he was on, on my all NBA team. Yeah. He was all NBA last year too. And he just at this point he's not a superstar. He's about I think he's in that class of guys. Like with that Brandon Ingram. I think he's on the low end of that Brandon Ingram tier. But that Brandon Ingram tier where you're as good as you can be without being like a superstar. And I think the rap he gives the Raptors a fighting shot every night. They just ha- they have an imperfect team. And that's what bugs me about watching these guys. Because they they should, in theory, right? This team should be a lot better. Um, they, my only problem with them is just, I, I don't feel like they take the point guard position seriously enough. Like one thing, I, so Rick Carlisle, right? I always was like, why do you stick with JJ Barea and Devin Harris so much? Those guys were just guards he trusted, right? Like he always would play them. Um, you know, like you know, those guys would, were always going to get minutes. You know, like no matter who he had in Dallas, those guys were always going to play. You see now, like oh he doesn't really have a choice much who he's going to play, but he has Nemhard and he has Halliburton. He likes both of those guys a lot. Um, Nick Nurse doesn't have a Harris or or a Berea. And they, like, I see people connecting them with Jakobertl. I see people connecting them with centers. No, they don't need a center. This team, I think Coloco is fine. You know, he's raw. He's very raw. But the kid's got size. He's got IQ. Um, he's going to need time to figure it out. But he's already averaging 1.3 blocks a game in 17 minutes. I think you're going to be fine, especially since you want to play small the majority of the time. You just need someone like in the Andrew Bogut role, basically, where he's playing the default center or the Zubach role. For, I think it would be a better comparison. You need guards. You can't do this. I'm, I'm sorry. Malachi Flynn, they, he just doesn't like Malachi Flynn. I'm not saying it was a bust. They didn't let it have a chance to become a bust because he, he hasn't let Malachi have a chance. And I'm sorry. Like, I know you got gifted. <laughs> it would be hard if I came in. I, I understand that it's hard if I came in and my first point guard was Kyle Lowry, right? And my backup to him was Fred Van Vliet. Two guys who are exceptional ball control guys. Two guys who are just so rock solid IQ wise. I understand that. But then you're not going to, after Kyle leaves, right? And Kyle's been gone for a year and a half now. Uh, Yeah, a year and a half. He left at the trade deadline, or not trade deadline. Well, he hasn't played in further after since... Um, March 2021. So it's been a while since he's actually played for the Raptors. Here, here's my question. Why why haven't you developed another point guard? I think it's become increasingly obvious that this is wearing on Fred Van Vliet. He's a small guy. Small guys can't. We've seen this again and again. Their bodies can't withstand the workload like this and I think that's why Fred's shooting has been so like he was amazing to start the season last year like legitimately so if we look at 
I think there's probably a line of demarcation in terms of last year and this year. So let's see. Let's look at splits on basketball reference. I just saw them. There we go. 20, 21-22. So, okay. So October, Fred is averaging, you know, modest seven games. Um, November, I, that's why I disregarded it and didn't really say them. November, 14 games, 21 points a game on 45, 41, 90% from the free throw line. Um, December, you know, really slumped from the 2%, but, you know, was hitting 40% from three on 22 points a game. Then January comes, he's slumping even more from two, but he's still hitting 39% of his threes. Um, February, 40 uptick to 42% from the field, but even hotter, 43% from three. March and April, 13 games, 28% from three. It's just, I think at a certain point, the minutes get to be too much. And a lot of that March and April time last year, Fred was hurt. He only played 13, well, so if you break down the games by month, October, you know, there's not a whole lot of games in October. Only seven games in October last year, 14 in November, only eight in December. So he was banged up most of December. Um, 14 in January which is when he played a lot. So he was pretty banged up in January and then only nine only played 22 games, February through April. Um, that's three months. Yeah. I think he might be getting worn down. I think he needs to play like 30 minutes a game. I think one of the reasons why to look at another guy, right? John Morant is a small point guard. He doesn't play like a small point guard. John Morant is listed at six, three, one seventy four. John Morant is only playing only 33 minutes a game, which is only three less than Van Vliet. But Ja has Tyus Jones, right? He, You know when Ja's in foul trouble, oh, I can play Tyus for a few extra minutes and not be in super-duper trouble, right? Now Ja is averaging 28 points a game this year, <laughs> which is, you know, you obviously don't want to sit him too long. But you have the luxury of being like, okay, I don't have to play him 38 minutes a game or we're toast. You can play Ja 32, 31, 30 minutes a game, and it'll be fine. The Raptors don't have that luxury, but my contention is, is that it's self-inflicted. I think that you did this to yourselves, Toronto, and that it's just, if you don't develop your point guards, right, you don't bring in... I, th- I think you got to trade for like Caruso or TJ McConnell or someone like that. You have to bring in somebody <laughs> who could just relieve some of the pressure on Fred because you can see it on Fred. Like his shot looks horrible this year. He's not making anything. He's not making anything. And he's still playing great defense, right? You can't, this defense not, is not seventh according to clean the glass without Fred Van Vliet, but you need some reprieve. And they're not doing themselves any favors. Um, I want to talk about Scotty Barnes, but I don't really feel like there's much to talk about other than, you know, I just think he's pressing a little bit. And I want to see him later in the season, you know, when he's had some time to adjust to being higher on the scouting report. Last year, you know, rookie, you know, probably wasn't high on the scouting report. This year is 
definitely like what was rookie of the year last year one of the most impactful this year teams probably know what's coming with him and i think they you know are like oh hey this guy was really good last year we got to keep an eye out for him and i mean averaging fewer points per game um it's not coming out is not i think a lot of people expected him to be you know better year two (laughs) could be you know a lot of the usage that Pascal is getting an OG. OG is getting a lot of usage too, but I, I just I thought I'd see more from him. Um, I, I also, real quick, I brought up OG on offense. He's been, I've loved his contributions. He's cutting really good, shooting really, I mean, shooting 34% from three, but it feels better than that. And he's turned into such a good, like, such a good passer. He's not getting a whole lot of assists, but. You just know when someone can pass it. Like, you can see it when you're watching the games. And OG definitely has turned into a good passer. So, um, the Raptors are going to be an interesting team to watch going forward. And I think... Do I think they can win 50 games? Probably not. I think 45 is much more reasonable. But it's it's a long season. You know, and anything can still... Like, anything could still happen. So that'll be interesting to watch going forward. And I think, um, cause you know, I don't have anything to add about Thad Young. I don't have anything to add about Precious Achua that, you know, I didn't really see him play this week. Neither did I see Otto Porter, um, Wancho, <laughs> Bo Cruz saw him playing. I liked what, I like what he brings to this team, but God, you throw one of these guys on the Cavs, it's over for the league, but yeah, it's this team should be better at this point, and I, I I do feel like a lot of it is just self-inflicted. And finally, talking about the Sacramento Kings, who are currently, well, they are in the playoffs. They are thirteen and ten. So right now they are they're fifth in the Western Conference. They would avoid the playoffs if it avoid the play-in if it started today. Now, granted. Let me pull up the standings because I'm sure there is not much separation between them and the team behind them. Yes, Utah is about like a game behind them, it looks like. So, yeah. Um, But it's still, they've had a great run Um, since the last time JD and I talked. They lost to the Suns 117 to 122. They beat the Pacers 137 to 114. Beat the Clippers 123 to 196. Beat the Bulls 110 to 101. They lost to the Bucks 113 to 126. A real interesting upcoming stretch to monitor for the Kings, by the way. Um, when this is coming out, they're playing the Cavs tonight, playing the Knicks on Sunday, playing the Sixers on Tuesday, um, Raptors on Wednesday, Pistons on Friday, all on the road. So right now we're in the middle of a long road trip for the Kings. So if they go like two and four through the road trip, because they already lost the first one to the Bucks, like I said, um, I think that would be progress for them, even though, you know, there's high expectations for this season because those long road trips are hard for for teams in any conference, um, especially <laughs> some of those teams like the Cavs. You already played the probably one of the best two teams in the league in Milwaukee, just getting Chris Middleton back. And now you're going to play. Um, you're going to go play Philly, who's just getting hardened back. You're going to play 
the Raptors are going to play, you know, those teams are going to be out for blood, Cleveland. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do on this trip. But something that stood out to me watching this Kings team, they just have really good player movement, which wasn't something you could really say when they had, when they were playing under Walton. And it's funny because that's not really how Mike Brown, past Mike Brown teams had operated. Granted, it had been a while since Mike Brown was the head coach anywhere. Let's, I don't think he had coached since 2013-14. If I'm, yes, it, he hasn't been the head coach anywhere since the um, the Cleveland Cavaliers before LeBron, literally the year before LeBron came back. Um, that being said, it's interesting to see how his growth as a coach was in Golden State because he comes from this, you know, rigid Popovich system first. And now, you know, he spends however many years in Golden State and then comes out the other side and this team is all player movement and, you know, running off of curls. I actually don't know who the assistants are on this team. That might explain some stuff. Oh, no, I don't. I know Doug Christie. I know Jay Triano. I know Leandro Barbosa. I don't know any of the rest of these guys, though. Lindsey Harding might not be a guy. Oh, Lindsey Harding was a woman. Um, <laughs> so I don't know any of the rest of these people. But it's interesting that I think De'Aaron Fox. So the Halliburton trade, I think, is probably the most discussed aspect of this team the Halliburton for Sabonis trade Sabonis is just doing what he was doing in Indiana for the most part he's not taking as many shots but 17 and 11 6.6 assists a game I mean just really operating as a hub for everything the Kings want to do um a lot of movement coming off of him a lot of you know screens a lot of handoffs I really think this trade, getting Halliburton out of there, unlocked De'Aaron Fox. And he's not, this isn't a career year for him, I would say, but this is back to where he was. Like, 2021, he averaged 25 points a game on pretty crazy efficiency. This year, he's shooting a career high from, not career high, but probably his best run three on the most attempts. Um, Right now, he's playing, like, for the 2021 top 100, I had him in the top 30. I think right now he's playing like a top 30 guy. And I've always been high on Fox after the 2018-19 season. I, I feel like he's one of the most underrated guards in the league. And I know, you know, he's trying on defense. That's, I mean, you see the Mike Brown impact there because he's, you know, making the correct rotations. He's, you know, getting into guys on the level off the pick and roll. I think that's where you're seeing the impact the most, personally. But Fox is, you know, he's was known as a defensive liability beforehand. And now to see him get him get into guys while also <laughs> drilling step back threes while also you know getting to the paint at will this Kings team just moves that's one of my favorite things about them they just move off the ball so well like slide into spaces like 
the best teams, I would say, well, not the best teams. This is, the, this is literally Warriors basketball. Um, Warriors basketball is just sliding into the spaces that are left open by the result of your cutting. And Kevin Herter has been a huge recipient of that. Kevin Herter is averaging 15 points a game, shooting 43% from three. I mean, if it's not incredibly obvious that the Kings won that trade, I don't know how much more clear it could be. Um, Harrison Barnes has kind of struggled from three, but and he's taken a step back in the offense, but <laughs> he's still getting to the foul line almost five times a game. One of my favorite things to watch in the whole league is how much Harrison Barnes gets fouled. <laughs> um, Keegan Murray shooting 34% from three, which as a rookie is pretty good. Um, rookie with expectations. Listen, it, he's not going to be just based on the circumstances around that pick. It's going to be controversial. It's going to be... He's not going to be as popular as some of the other guys. It's just, it's just going to be a fact. But he's solid. And that's what the Kings were going for. I understand why they made that pick. Would I have made it myself? No. But you you see the logic. It's not like, oh my gosh, LOL Kings. It's okay. This team needed some structure. They needed some... They needed guys who would make the right plays. Keegan Murray is a guy who does that for you. I think it makes sense. Now, the question is... Um, th- this is the thing with this group, okay? And this is a Keegan Murray thing. He's a good defender, right? Harrison Barnes, good defender. I, I wouldn't say it other than Davion Mitchell, who's been really <laughs> inexperienced to watch. Um, I wouldn't say any of these guys are great defenders. I like Metu, and I like Okpala. Okpala's pretty good on defense. Um, but I wouldn't say any of these guys are like Scotty Pippen, reincarnate. So, right now, so on cleaning the glass, their team's defense is 21st in the league. Um... It's an uptick because it was 27th. So it's getting better. If they can get finished in the top 15 while their offense is in the top five, that's pretty good, all things considered, for, compared to where this team was. I mean, if you just want to go since... Since cleaning the glass was started, their highest finish on defense was the year, the last year they made the playoffs. And that was 11th in 20, it was 2005-6. Since then, 23rd, 24th, 30th, 18th, 20th, 29th, 29th, 24th, 27th, 22nd, 24th, 28th, 18th. That was the year they almost made the playoffs um, in 2019. 21st, 30th, 27th. So, it it's not, far be it from me to say, well... The Kings haven't done anything right. The most games they've won since 2005-06 was 39 games. Um, I, I'm just really curious to see what this team's approach is and how they go about defense because this is a real step up and take charges team. This is a real crash the glass kind of team, which they should crash the glass, but they should also get out and transition. Like they do get out and transition a lot. They're not very, 
they're actually better in the half court than they are in transition, funny enough, which is kind of funny. Like, they're the third best half court offense on cleaning the glass. And you can, like, again, it has a lot to do with how, you know, how their offense works, where a guy just slides in or how much they're cutting. You know, cutting is a lost art in the NBA. Having a guy who can penetrate and having cutters is a really dangerous combination. Usually, guys that drive, like, you know, the general... The general consensus is that when you have a driver, you don't cutting is bad because cutting clunks up the spacing. But if you have a cutter, dri- if you have a cutter cutting off that driver, then someone can slide to the corner, usually weak side, where the ball handler is not, and that'll usually open something up. So, De'Aaron Fox is like particular is an expert at that, but also a guy I haven't mentioned yet, Malik Monk. <laughs> I never sold my Malik Monk stock, even when it was at its particular lowest in 20, I think that was 2019-20. It was not looking good if you like Malik Monk. Um, But he showed flashes in 2020-21. And then this year, this year, like last year, he was really good with the Lakers. And then this year, he's looked like, honestly... If it wasn't for Matherin, I think he'd be the favorite for six man of the year. He's been, I know he's not averaging a whole ton of points. He's only, only, only averaging 15 points a game off the bench. Like that's not a lot of points to average off the bench, but he's coming in. He's making a a real impact. He's coming in, driving hard. He's coming in with his movement, making impact and him and Fox just make so much sense together. Like you can see some guys, some guys just go to college together. They don't have chemistry. Some guys play in college together because they have chemistry. And that was clearly the case with Fox and Monk. Like, those two were born to play basketball together. And they just have a synergy that's really awesome to watch. And it's so much fun just watching this team. And I don't... It's hard, though, like, I, I just spent, you know, I just spent this whole segment really praising this team. Um, this is this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. Um, I got to tear them down, though, because there's one massive flaw. And as much as I've liked what Sabonis has done, and again, let me just, let me, let me do the old-fashioned, you know, give him a compliment before you tear him down. He's been really good on offense. Like, superb um done everything he's been asked to just supreme talent on not supreme talent on that side but he's been you know like he's a really good scorer um commands double teams i don't know what else you could ask of him i do actually know what else you could ask of him i'm going to ask this of him right now (sighs) play some defense domas grow some longer arms um get some more vertical I know that's not really possible, but I just, unless you have someone to clean up the weak side, right? And I know he doesn't want to play with Miles again, but what he, he had, I don't think, I know Miles hated playing that way. It was abundantly clear. (laughs) One of the reasons why he's probably jonesing to leave Indiana right now. Um, Miles hated playing that way, but if you get Domas in a system where he's the one getting cleaned, his mistakes cleaned up, he's great because he's he's not dumb. 
he's really smart, intelligent defender, and he's not slow. But the problem is, is that when he's the one who has to clean up the mistakes, let me put it this way. It's like having a janitor who doesn't have a mop. It's... If you don't have, if you have a janitor who doesn't have a mop, you're basically, you're not doing anything. And that's basically what having Sabonis at the rim is like. And... It just, it, it sucks to watch because this team does everything right on defense. But at the end of the day, there's a ceiling on what you can do on defense. And it's not, it's not fair, probably. But really, really, can you expect it to be fair? You know, is it like, is fair the standard we should be going off of here? They want to be taken seriously as a team. So if they want to be taken seriously, this is me taking them seriously. And I, if they can do it, props to them. I need to see it before I believe it. Um, it's just time to get into the plugs real quick. Make sure you listen to Lynn Sanity. Um, Caleb and Bryce had another banger of an episode um, talking about NFL Week 13. So make sure you check that out. Um, make sure you check out the teams for next week. I suppose I should plug that. Make sure it's going to be the Jazz for our bad team, even though they're not. <laughs> bad i'm presuming they will be bad the next time we talk about them so might as well just lump them in here if not the wizards might be bad so we either way i think we got a 50 50 shot there and then the mavericks for our definitive good team and then circle city cinema had two episodes this week zach put out his 2023 movie radar you know just talking about what movies he wants to see um some really exciting stuff on there and then make sure you check out no country for old men which is going to come out the same day as this um if you listen to this podcast all the way through make sure you at zach griffith 17 and just tell him that he's awesome and hashtag it with no country for old men um and i want to thank you all so much for listening and i hope you all have a splendid rest of your day thank you so much